0: Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Jeremiah chapter nine and verse 23. We are in a series, and this is the third week, called, How to Really Know God. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. I want you to notice, he said, don't glory in wisdom don't glory in might, or don't glory in power, and don't glory in wealth. But aren't those the things that define our society? You know, how wise someone is, how much knowledge they have, how intelligent they are, how powerful they are, how wealthy they are, how much influence they have. But. The word of God tells us here in the book of Jeremiah that we're not supposed to glory in any one of those things, but that what we should glory in is that we understand and know God. The things that we should glory in, the thing that we should glory in is that we understand and that we know God. Could you imagine if the determining factor of success in our society was how well you understand and know God? But the Bible says that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Our relationship with God, our creator, is the most important relationship for us to cultivate in our lives. I know that you can't get on Instagram with God or you can't uh, send an email to God or you can't have a Facebook friend of God, but God is someone that you connect with in spirit. And it's the most important relationship for us to cultivate in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that the world desires and goes after will be added to you. So what that means is if you go after the world, you get the things in the world, but if you go after God, you get it all. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39, Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jeremiah 9, that he understands and knows me. That is what we're talking about. So we... Talk the last couple of weeks, we had a message our first week on simple fellowship and I gave you three points. The first point was that we have a compatible heart. In other words, in order to know God, you have to be born again. And uh, if you're not born again, if you don't know that you'd go to heaven, if something happened to you today, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service. Second of all, you need to have an empty heart. In other words, you need to lay yourself aside, all of your stuff, not just your sin, Sometimes we'll say, you know, I surrender all, and we're talking about all the junk and the, you know, the addictions and the drugs and all the stuff that we have in our lives, and we say, God, I lay all the bad stuff, but can I tell you, Paul the apostle had to lay all the good stuff aside to gain Christ, and sometimes we're so full of ourselves, you know, in the conversation about our education, about our experience, about our influence, about what people, you know, what we've gained for ourselves, That we have no room for Jesus in our lives. And we need to have an empty garage in order to put a car in it. And we need to have an empty heart and an empty life in order to put Jesus in it. Amen? So we need to have not only a compatible heart, but we need to have an empty heart. And then we need to have a willing heart. And we went over that Martha started out right, but she got distracted by ministry and got distracted by doing things for God instead of sitting listening to God. And that's uh, what simple fellowship is all about. And then last week, we talked about knowing God's word, knowing God's word. And I gave you three points. One was that in order to maintain spiritual health, we need to read our Bibles every day. In fact, would you pull out your uh, information guide, and you should have received a bookmark in there. Would everybody pull out that bookmark? It's a brand new bookmark, just came out today, and it says one year Bible reading plan. If you'll go on this Bible reading plan, you'll read the Old Testament through one time in a year, and the New Testament through two times in a year, okay? And all you have to do is read about uh, three to four chapters a day in this, and I went over a plan last week that was called SOAP. In fact, you'll see on the top of this bookmark, it says one-year reading plan, and then it says SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and prayer just to remind you. And what that is, is that it's a way to study the Lord and learn to hear God through his word. Uh, in fact, I want to give you uh, this week, one of our reading, uh, daily reading days had Psalm 127. And I, I just want to show you what I actually uh, wrote. And I didn't write it for you. I just wrote it for me. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll just give an example of, of what, how I would do it. Okay. It's out of Psalm 127, Psalm 127. The scripture says, Unless the Lord builds the house, this would be the scripture on the top, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to stay up late. (laughs) Someone may need that today. It's vain for you to stay up late. To rise up early, someone says, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't want to rise up early. <laughs> it's vain for you to stay up late and to rise up early and to eat the bread of sorrows. What does that mean? It means be stressed out. He says, for he gives his beloved sleep. So I put observation, making, making sure that the Lord is the one building the house is vital to living a life that counts. God doesn't say not to labor, but he says that we should labor with the confidence that he's the one behind the job. So we should not work all night and into the morning and carry a heavy load. God is at work with us and he gives his people sleep. Application, it's important, even vital, that I pray every day and ask God to show me what he wants me to focus on. Many times I have my day and my week all booked up with goals and plans. Planning is good, but if my plans aren't in line with his master plan, my day will always be missing something. My heart and my commitment is to learn how to work on God's projects instead of asking Him to work on mine. So my prayer is, Father, I commit myself to you fresh and new today. Your will be done in my life. I don't want to build on my own or take the lead in my relationship with you. Today, I want you to know that you are in charge and I only want what you have for me. I submit all of my plans to you for my life, my family, the church, and my future. You are in complete control, so today I commit to follow your lead, to work hard, and to rest in hope that you've got my life planned out and all taken care of. Thank you, God. So it's a way to process the Word of God into your own heart and open up your heart to the Lord. I'll tell you, if you'll do that every day, you'll get through seven days of God speaking to your heart, and something inside has just changed. You don't know. You think, what in the world? It's like I'm having a private one-on-one appointment with God every week. And that's actually what it is. It's taking his word and allowing his word to get into our hearts on a daily basis. So I encourage you. In fact, I want to say here at Memphis Tabernacle, we read our Bibles every day. Can we just say that here at Memphis Tabernacle, we read our Bibles every day. Would you commit? Just say that out of your mouth. Even if you say, I don't know if I can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. Let's say here at Memphis Tabernacle, we read our Bibles Every day. And so that's what we talked about last week was knowing God's word and the example was soap and then meditating uh in the word of God in order to renew our minds. And then we talked about fellowshipping around God's word through small groups, and that's what we're opening up this week. Let me encourage you again to get into a small group. So today I want to talk uh for a little bit about knowing God's presence. God's presence. The first point is this that God's presence validates you. God's presence validates you. And this comes out of uh, the book of Exodus chapter three. And let me set this up for a moment so I don't do too much uh, uh, reading setup because I could read chapters on it. But Moses was out uh, in the field tending sheep. He wasn't applying for the job of, of a releaser of people. He wasn't trying to be a captain over an army or anything. He was out there tending sheep, and he was leading his sheep by the mountain of God, by Mount Horeb, or uh, Mount Sinai, it's otherwise known as. And as he was doing it, he walked by this bush, and you know the burning bush incident, and God was in the bush, and the the bush was on fire, but it wasn't uh, getting burned away. But the bush started speaking to him, and this was God speaking to him, and said for him to take off his shoes, because he was standing on holy ground. And so... This is the conversation that Moses is having with the bush, okay, which is really God. And Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10 it says, So now go, I am sending you, this is God to Moses. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. I want to remind you that Pharaoh wasn't just like a president that was in office for four years or something like that. Pharaoh was considered not only the highest official, but he was in control. He was a God to those people. So when God sent Moses to go confront Pharaoh, he went to send them to go confront someone who was ultimate authority spiritually and in every way over their lives. And he said, I'm sending you to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, I want you to notice what he said. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. First of all, Moses said, who am I? Well, who was Moses? He was a, he was a shepherd. He was taking care of sheep. And so Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Why wouldn't you send someone that's more qualified? And, uh, and God said back to him, I will be with you. Now, I want to say that to somebody this morning that when God calls you and you might, your first response might be, who am I? I'm a drug addict. I'm a, a addicted to something or or I have no education. I can't read or write. Or I, I know nobody that's influential. I know no one. I don't have a good you know paying job or a good status. I really don't have any friends. Who am I? And that's what Moses was saying, who am I? Why would you send me to go bring your people out? And notice the first thing that God said, I am with you. When God sends you, he's not sending you alone. He's sending you with himself. And he's saying, whatever you need, whatever the gap is, I'll fill it in. So he says here, God says, I will be with you. And then God says this, this will be a sign to you. You shall worship me on this mountain. want you to notice what he says. This is going to be a sign to you that you shall worship me on this mountain. What do you mean a sign that you shall worship? What he's saying is this is the sign that I'm with you. You're going to bring the people. They're going to come back to this mountain and you're going to worship me on this mountain. And the connection that I have with you is going to be the sign or the validation that I'm calling you. Because here's the reality. If God wasn't on this shepherd's life, nobody would listen to that shepherd. If God wasn't on the shepherd's life, Pharaoh wouldn't listen to the shepherd and they would all still be in bondage. And so what happened? Moses' number one responsibility had to be to keep God on his life. Because if God was on his life, then everything was going to be okay. He would have respect. If God was on his life, he could set those people free. If God was on his life, he could lead a million Jews Through the wilderness into the promised land. But if God came off his life, what happened? It was a shepherd trying to convince a lot of people, and he was going to get himself in trouble or killed even. God's presence validates you. If God's asking you to do something, you have to stay connected to God. If you don't stay connected to God, you're in trouble. Don't try to do God's things without God. Amen? I can tell you the number one thing in my role here at Memphis Tabernacle is to stay connected with God. To stay connected with God. The number one role that I have is that God's presence stay on my life. If his presence doesn't stay on my life, then this ministry will not be validated. Someone will walk in and they just go, I don't know what it is. But I'll tell you what, people when they walk in and they say, I don't really know what the church is all about, but God's here. God's presence validates God's plan. And so Moses frees God's people. He brings them back to Mount Sinai. And then God says, leave this mountain. This is in uh, all the way to chapter 33 of the book of Exodus. God says, now I want you, now that you're back at this mountain, to leave this mountain and go into the promised land. And the people got kind of mad about it. And then in verse 11, of Exodus 33, Exodus thirty three eleven, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses knew God, and it was Moses' relationship with God and the presence of God that he carried on his life that really caused things to happen. Well, then what happens is in verse 14, and he, God, Said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, he told Moses to leave the mountain and to go into the promised land. And Moses said, God, I don't know. I need to stay here with your presence because this is where you, really, this is where you first spoke to me in the burning bush. This is where we are right now. I feel very comfortable in your presence and you're telling me to go. I don't want to leave your presence. And so God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Rest And he said to him, if your presence, God, does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight unless you go with us? What does he say? He said, God, without you on my life, I'm just a shepherd. Without you on my life, I'm just a person. How are they going to listen to me? I'm going to be embarrassed. And he says, "Uh, so we shall be separate, your people and I from all the people who are on the face of the earth, God says, my presence will go with you. Moses said, and Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, keep us here. What was Moses saying? He was saying, I choose presence over progress. I choose presence over promotion. I choose presence over advancement in my life. See, because I know that sometimes people can look at God and say, God, I really need you. I need you to do this for me. And then when the thing comes in, They leave God who got them the thing and they went for the advancement and the, and the promotion. I, just growing up in church, I've watched families that God, you know, they've come in and they were a wreck and they were, uh, you know, almost divorced and, and their kids were walking away from the Lord and they started serving God and crying out to God and calling out to God and God blessed them and God took care of them and God healed them. And all of a sudden they started prospering and their business started prospering and they went out and they got some house out where, somewhere and they're like, ah, oh, we'll find a church, ah, oh, we'll find a place, Well, and they got out into a situation situation in the blessing of God, but they left God. And all of a sudden, what happened? They were a wreck again. Prosperity will ruin you if you don't have God. Success will ruin you if you don't have God. Advancement will ruin you if you don't have God. So what did he say? He said, I'd rather have the presence than progress in my life. Choose presence over progress. How will it be known unless you, God, go with us? I was in prayer several months ago, and there was a a prophetic word that came up in my spirit over Memphis Tabernacle, and the Lord said these simple words to my heart. He said, son, my presence will be your distinction. If you want to know what it is that's going to be carried over this church, it's going to be the presence of God. That's what we're going after is the presence of God. We will not progress. We will not go farther than where God's presence goes. And if God's not going there, we don't want to go there. Can somebody say amen? Amen. God's presence is our distinction. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 29 says this. So now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he was talking with God so when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses behold the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him i want you to notice they were afraid of Moses they had respect for Moses because his the skin was bright because Moses spent time with the Lord you cannot spend time in God's presence and not be changed Church, let me tell you, you cannot spend time in the presence of God and not be changed. Sometimes, you know, I don't smoke and I never, I don't think I've, in fact, I have and I've never lit up a cigarette or never smoked before. But, you know, sometimes when you come around the presence of someone who smokes, you know, I just come up and give them a hug and, hey, brother, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, glad you're here. And then uh, there's been a couple of times where they've smoked so much and you give them a hug and then someone afterwards said, man, do you have smoke on you? Well, why? Because I was in the presence of someone who was a smoker. It rubbed off on me. Do you know when you're in the presence of God, it rubs off on you? And people get around and they say, I don't know what it is, but there's something there's something of something on you that I, that I need, that I like. That's the way God's called every one of us to be. There was, a, there was just a little prayer that I was singing to the Lord as I was studying this. And I just want to teach it to you. It's nothing impressive, but it was just a prayer in my heart concerning this particular place. To, and it says, if your presence does not go with us, keep us here. Can we just keep that line up right there for your presence? If your presence does not go with us, keep us here. It's just saying, God, I'm vulnerable if I don't have you. If your presence does not go with us, keep us here. You pray that over your own life right now. And if your presence does not go with us Keep us here Where would I go? Without you I would be lost and all alone And how could I stand? Without your presence here on my own. Come on, sing it to the Lord of your presence. If your presence does not go with us, keep us here. If your presence does not go with us, keep us here. Where would I go? And where would I go? Without you, I would be lost and all alone could I stand without your presence here on my own? Pray that again. Where would I go without you, Lord? Where would I go without you? I would be lost and all alone. That's how I feel, Lord, today. How could I stand without your presence here on my own? And if your presence does not go with us, keep us here. if your presence does not go with us keep us here cause you're all I want tell the Lord you're all I've ever needed and you're all I've ever need. And you're all I want, oh God. Help me know You are near. Say you're all I want, and you're all.